Welcome back to another episode of Preschool Pioneers. I am your host, Jeremy Walker. You can follow us on social media, like on Facebook and YouTube. You can subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform so that you never miss an episode. Visit us at crr101radio.com forward slash preschool pioneers for these links. And so let's go ahead and get started with this episode entitled B is for Biology. How humanism perverts facts and is harmful to your child. Welcome back again, guys. This episode is B for Biology. Something that I don't know why we're even really discussing. Because growing up as a child, it wasn't a subject. Biology was very simple. Boys and girls, the birds and the bees, everything was so easy. But now, we have confusion everywhere. And so children, they are confused, and they're being confused on purpose. So let's start. Why Christians should become teachers. Because that's what we're here about. Promoting Christian education for parents, and particularly the start of Christian schools, and why they're important. So why should Christians become teachers? Well, on this episode, Christians should become teachers, because there is a deliberate and organized effort to replace the most basic facts about man's biology with a fictional reality that only exists in the imagination of religious, radical humanists. Now, this distortion of the truth about man and his being leads to confusion, fear, and destructive long-term decisions that cannot be undone. But I think one of the best and most important things about this is not just to talk about what you dislike. And I think there's too much of that going around. And so here on Preschool Pioneers, I want to turn a new leaf on some things and not just pointing out what's wrong with society, not just the bad things people are talking about, the bad doctrines being talked about, but I think perhaps the most important question we're all going to deal with is what can Christians do about it? Because that's kind of the goal. Christian parents, Christian teachers, what can we do about all the craziness that's going on in the world? And so that's what we're going to discuss here on Preschool Pioneers. What can we do about the crazy, crazy confusion over mankind and his biology? Well, I want to start with a couple things. First of all, I want to discuss what is actually being taught out there now that is being taught as truth, being taught as this is reality, this is science-based, this is evidence-based, this is going to be in your textbooks, this is going to be what we teach your children, this is what we say is true. And so that's an important thing, because education is about teaching the truth, imparting information that is true but we're getting quite the opposite in the world today we are getting religious humanistic doctrines that are playing as if they're true anytime you talk to somebody it's always science has found this the experts know this they don't it's lies so let's go ahead and start let's start by identifying what is being taught as true today when I was a child, this did not take place. But now, we see the next step in the humanistic war against God and the Word of God. First of all, I got nine things here that are being taught as true 
Number one, mankind is a product of time and chance. Now, this we've touched on before in the Preschool Pioneers podcast, and every government public school in America teaches that. So if your child is being taught in a government public school in America today, they are being taught they are nothing more than a product of time and chance. Number two, that mankind is an ever-changing creature that existed before in a very different form and will continue to change into a new form at some time in the future. And, of course, this takes millions and millions and millions of years, so you can't see it, and therefore science can't show it. But you better believe it because it's in the textbooks, and therefore it's true. If you don't believe it's true, we're going to show you some fossils and say it happened millions of years ago. If that doesn't work, well, we're just going to go to some caves and show some paintings, and this proves this happened. And so humankind, mankind as is now, was not what it was millions and millions of years ago. It was something different. And now we have mankind. Number three. Mankind is a dual being. One being is what he is on the outside, what other people can see, while the other is a being of what he is on the inside, something that you and I and no one else can see. It cannot be seen, hear, touched, and tasted. Only that individual knows for sure what is on the inside, but no one else, but a dual creature. Number four, mankind's classification of his outward being, at least, is his sex, while his internal being is called his gender. So here's your duality, sex and gender. Now, I want you to pay attention to this because so many people are confused and call it crazy. They don't know how it is people are saying that boys are girls and girls are boys or none of the above. This is how it's being taught as true. Kids are literally being told this, that your outside and your inside are two different things. Where is the science behind all this, you ask? It doesn't exist. Well, I'm sure if you asked, they would have an expert sit down and try to explain it to you. And because they're elitist, they are the experts. Do you have a degree? Are you a scientist? Are you a psychologist? Are you an expert? No? Well, then you should just be quiet because they know there is a difference between sex and gender. And it's a fact and therefore, we're going to teach it to children because this is true. Moving on to number five, that is being taught as true. Mankind's sex is separate, separated into two categories. So his outward being, his sex, is currently classified by, quote unquote, society as male and female. Meaning if you look at a person and you look at their physical characteristics and body parts, this one is male and has male appendages, and this one is female, and has female anatomy on the outside. Now, this is something that I would completely agree with. We know this to be true. We can see it. Male and female are not complicated subjects. All through down through the ages, the birds and the bees was a subject that was simply taught, not just in mankind, but all 
of creation. All the animals are male and female. So this part we can agree with, but at least that's what they are teaching. Your outward appearance seems to be male and female. Number six, mankind's gender, this is his internal being, is not just male and female, like his external being, but there are potentially hundreds of different genders of mankind. And of course, each year, more are being identified every single year. So it is ridiculous to try to think that mankind is male and female just by his outward means. His inside also matters. And this has a giant variety. Male, yes. Female, yes. There can be non-male and female. Nothing. And others that have classificational names, which I'm not sure anybody actually knows about, but they just continue to come up with more of them every year. But this is what is being told to children as true. So inside, now children are being told that your outside might be male or female. But now, your internal gender, you get to determine or try to determine for yourself or figure it out what is you on the inside. Hundreds of possibilities. And of course, guess what? If you find out you don't fall into these categories, let us know. We'll add it to the category. Number seven. Mankind can be classified by others externally, by their gender, of course. Sorry, externally. But his internal gender is something that only they can determine for themselves. And this personalized classification can change whenever the individual decides. So, today I might feel as if I'm a male, tomorrow a female, maybe at lunch I'm neither, maybe by Thanksgiving I'm something different. Never know. After all, I get to determine for myself what I am on the inside. Hundreds of possibilities, if not thousands. Number eight. This dual identity of mankind is backed by science. And anyone not agreeing with this has a hatred of science and reality. I mentioned this before. The problem here is that all there is is a claim to fact. Claim to fact. Do you know what that is, actually? It's called faith. It's a religious proposition. They can't back any of this up by real science, which we would consider to be his, uh, see here, touch, taste, informational evidence. It can be checked, it can be fact-checked, it can be checked by others. We can all come to the same agreement. That is science. Now, science, which people don't say, is limited to what we can see, hear, touch, and taste. And, much like evolution, you can't see, hear, touch, and taste it. Therefore, it is a religious proposition. We don't disagree with this concept because Christians also have religious propositions. We cannot prove that God the Creator at the very beginning of the world, created all things. That is a religious proposition and belief. But we at least are admitting it's a religious proposition and belief. The downside is children are being taught that this idea, the duality of man, is actually backed by science, backed by experts. They're not calling it a faith, they're calling it a fact. It's not something you have to believe. It's something that is 
clearly taught, clearly right there. Yet, for some reason, you can't tell anybody what they are because that's the inside, not the outside. Number nine, anyone that attempts to disagree with the facts of the duality of a person or attempts to tell others that they are wrong about their own determination concerning their sex and gender are hateful and harmful to others. Now, this is a very clear and dangerous bullying tactic that they give to children. Because after all, don't you want to be loving? Don't you want to be kind? Well, then you can't tell people that they are something that they say they're not. You can't do that. You're harming them. You, if you try to do this, should face discipline. You should get into trouble. You're a dangerous, hateful person. These tactics are used on children in classrooms every single day. So it's inbred into them to be quiet when they look at something and say, hold on a minute, that's not true. Well, if you say it's not true, then you are hateful and harmful and we are loving and kind and caring. So this is what is actually being taught to children in classrooms all across America today. They claim to be anti-bullying, but they're not. Because they themselves absolutely agree with utilizing tactics to insult, belittle, degrade, intimidate children of the youngest of ages so they can force them to believe what they're being taught. And if they don't do it, they are going to get into trouble. Either they're going to get into trouble through disciplinary action or they're going to be societally considered a leper, a hateful person, labeled and destroyed because they disagree with, quote, unquote, the facts. Well, that is what is going on in America today. These are some of the general basic ideas about biology. Now, a big major part of this, because we're talking about this confusion that we're talking about, this means that in schools across America and the world today, they're saying that boys can also have periods. That means they can have menstrual cycles. And this is what's being taught in science classes, sex ed classes. Why are they saying that? Well, because of the duality, don't you understand? Because even though on the outside they might be their sex, a female, and have female anatomy, on the inside they're really male. So when they say that males are, uh, sorry, females are not the only ones who menstruate, they're telling the truth according to their doctrines. Because, of course, a person can say, I'm male as my gender, my inside, even though my outside sex is female. Now, this breeds absolute insanity, chaos. They also say to these children that boys can become girls and girls can become boys. Because what are they talking about? They're talking about their gender, not their sex, their gender. So on the outside, I'm still the same. But on the inside, I can change and jump around anytime that I want to. And they're confusing children, absolutely confusing them. This is detrimental. And on top of that, whenever somebody is telling a child that there is this duality in them, it separates a security of identity, of who they are. Because today, I might be a boy. But tomorrow, for some reason, I might wake up and really be a girl. These ideas are terrifying to young children who seek stability, 
who seek normality, who want to know and feel safe. But if for some reason they're a victim, they're, a, they're trapped in their own bodies, this is a horrible thing to teach children and to confuse them, especially at the most impressionable ages of these children. Let's go ahead and move on, because I want to then identify what God says is true. Now, these, I said, are religious tenets of faith. Some things we can agree on because we're talking about the external. Now we're talking about something everybody can see, hear, touch, and taste. The other ones are religious propositions. Now, here's what God says is true. Number one, mankind is a unique creation by God. He is not accidental. Mankind was created as male and female from the dust of the ground. These are the things that were being taught, that God tells us about who we are. Mankind, as a male and female, are created as a unit in body, mind, and soul. Now, there are different personalities, of course, different types of males and different types of females. We're not all exactly the same. We don't all have the same gifts or the same interests, but it doesn't change that you are male and you are female in mind, body, and soul. There is a stability there. There is a unit, a union there about who you are. Number four, mankind as male and female have different roles under God and differing responsibilities that work in unison and complement each other. Now, see, on the other side, male and female are just social constructs, things that are accidental because of our evolutionary biology. There is no purpose behind them. It just so happened that one kind of mankind evolved into a man with male parts and females converted into females with female parts, but there isn't any purpose behind any of it. And this is the problem with those types of doctrines versus what Christianity is teaching. Because we are teaching something that is stable, something that was on purpose. Because whenever you're saying they have the same responsibilities, that men and women are the same, they're teaching things like when we say, Male chivalry, putting women first, this kind of an idea, that males should protect females, which is where the men go to war, but not the women. When there is a boat going down, we say women and children first, but not men. When we go against these doctrines, we're removing the responsibilities of men. Also, men have a duty and responsibility under God to be more responsible. God does not place men and women on the same level of responsibility. When men and women commit the same things, they are not the same responsible levels or punishments as under God. Men are required by God to be more responsible and will be punished greater than will women. We're not talking about here an accidental thing. We're talking about a thing where God has created something and established an order for it. Men are responsible for caring for and providing for their families. The woman is his help meet. They have different duties and responsibilities that work together. They complement each other. A family does not have just two dads and two moms. They have a dad and mom, both per people, bringing something different to the family, something that complements each other, something that causes it to grow. This is patently true, and everybody who hears it knows it. It's not up for debate. We know this is reality. God has spoken the truth. He has given us the truth of reality, what happened, and we know it to be true. We see it. We feel it in our bones. Men and women have different responsibilities that work together. Mankind, number five, as male and female, are distinct and different from each other in both their outward bodily functions 
and their internal drives, desires, and abilities. Obviously, we know, and they have to even agree that outwardly we're different. That means that men don't have babies. Men don't have menstrual cycles. Men don't breastfeed. All the different things between men and women that make them separate were created by God and are meant to be understood in relationship to God's creation. We know these things to be true. There is no confusion here when I say only women have babies. To say otherwise is to attempt to cause confusion, to disturb little minds that are impressionable, and to harm them in not understanding the world as it really, really is. Their internal drives are different. Everybody knows this. You see so many comedies all the time where men and women think different. Men can compartmentalize. And women, they're always thinking about everything all the time. Men perform functions where they do things. And women, of course, they have great memories and men don't. No one that looks at the world of reality thinks that men and women have the same focus. Not a single one. I have not talked to one person who goes, oh yeah, men and women are all the same. We all know these things, these internal drives to protect the family, to raise children. You can see women walk into a daycare center and see little babies, and all of a sudden their eyes light up. They have an internal drive to have children. That manifests itself in many different ways. We all know it to be true, and the women who are truthful know that's to be the case. Men seek to protect women. Protect them. They know that their position is not the same. We don't see women seeing the same desire to protect men, and we know it ingrained in our bones. We know this to be the case. And their abilities as well. Men cannot replace women. Women cannot replace men. They both need each other. And to say otherwise or to try to confuse the two is to destroy everything. However, that is the goal. To cause confusion. To destroy the creation that God has made. And to set up a new one. Created by radical religious humanists who despise God. Despise his creation. And want to completely and utterly destroy it. Number six, mankind as male and female are to remain separate in their duties, their authorities, and even their appearances. The Bible is very clear that men and women should not dress the same. You see a, a, large, outs, uh, a large movement out there to confuse these two, especially in the world of fashion in particular. But there is supposedly by God a separation between male and female, including their appearances. The authorities, men and women do not share the same authorities in differing realms. That doesn't mean that women can't be managers or owners of a thing or own land and can't vote. That's not what this is talking about. But within the duties of the family, the husband and wife do not share the same duties and authority under God. That is not true. And every attempt to attack this is a purposeful and deliberate attempt to destroy God's ordained function to protect women. God says men are responsible for caring for and protecting women, which is why when the ship goes down, the women and children go first and the dudes are going to swim. We all know this to be true. We know that the old idea of whenever there is a problem that men walk on the outside the curb and the women are supposed to walk on the inside the curb, we all know that men are supposed to protect their sisters, their mothers, and other women around as well. One of the ideas is that when I was growing up, boys never, ever, they would get in fights with each other. They would never fight with a girl. 
You would never strike a girl. You would never hit a girl. Because why? Boys had to learn that their position was different than that of a woman or a girl. Their jobs was that of a protector. God-given protections for women and children. And the men have that duty. What you see is a breakdown. There's an aggressive attack on this idea because these men that are out there don't want the responsibilities under God to be men. And so they try to attempt to dissuade that, destroy it, and claim they're trying to liberate, liberate women and children from the horrible uh, hierarchical idea of underneath men. Wrong. Men are there to protect. Now, if they don't do that function, that doesn't mean that the structure itself is broken. It just means that you have a delinquent man who refuses to do his job. You show me one woman who has been left by a man, has a child, and is not supported by him, and thinks that she doesn't uh, have the right to that protection, that she doesn't have the right to his financial support. We know this to be true. We know this to be the case. This God-given duty, separation, responsibilities of men and women. And you can't change that by saying, well, today, I'm no longer obligated to do that. I'm a duality. God says no. You cannot get away from your God-given responsibilities as a man, as a male. You are mind, body, and spirit obligated to God with authority, yes, but mostly with responsibility that either comes with reward or, of course, punishments. Number seven, mankind is to show forth God's design and purpose for them and all that they do as God's creatures. Everything that we should do, if we do it properly, men being men, women being women, boys being boys, girls being girls, and the family, we show forth God's design, God's purpose in this life. See, Christianity gives the truth of these things to people, to children in particular, these young, impressionable minds, and as they absorb this, as they grow up and do this, they will be blessed. They're living in the real world, not a fictional world where they can be anything that they want to be. You can't. God has created you on purpose to be what you are. You have purpose. You have responsibility. You have duties. You have reward. God wants to bless you. And for us to teach the truth, we are giving life to these children and these students. On the other side, they're trying to convince children that they don't have to be obligated to anybody or anything. They can be their own God, live in this world on their own terms, and that's just not a reality. But let's go ahead then, because those are some of the ideas about what's being lied about and what's true. Let's talk about what we can do about it, because that's kind of answering the question, not just to recognize it, but there's some one ways we can kind of combat these things and what are our responsibilities. So how can parents and specifically teachers deal with these issues in their homes and in their classrooms? And I'll give you seven quick things. Number one, never focus on false doctrines and lies. You don't need to go into your classroom and teach against something deliberately. Now in your home, you might want to bring up subjects as they become more important. But first of all, we never ever sit down and talk about lies. Our focus is the truth. So that's what you don't do. Number two, purposefully teach the truths when appropriate. If you're teaching your children about something, if you're in a science class, 
you would teach the focus and the facts of reality. Men are men, women are women. Ba- women come from babies, or uh, sorry, women have babies. Uh, babies take a man and a woman to create, and all the things in between. But when appropriate, you want to discuss the facts. Uh, Bible times, you're teaching the facts about God's creation. At home, you might do Bible, or just in general. But all the time, you only need to really focus on these truths when it's appropriate. You don't have to really go out of your way uh, to talk about these things. It will happen naturally. Number three, correct false ideas when they are discussed or talked about. I had a young boy, and this is what really tore me to my core. He was very concerned. He asked me, he says, Reverend Jeremy, he says, is it true that a boy can go to a hospital and become a girl? And he was very disturbed by this, very disturbed by the subject. You can see it in his face. And I looked at him and I said, no, that's not true at all. Boys are boys and girls are girls. You cannot, cannot go to the hospital and change that. But he had been taught that boys can change into girls and girls can change into boys. And I will not right now go into graphic detail, but the subject of sex change operations is not true. Let me say it again. It's not true. When a person goes to a hospital for a change or an operation, they do not become women. Women do not become men in the physical sense. That is a complete impossibility. It does not take place. What you get is a person who has destroyed their original body in an attempt to be something that they are not through what I would call mad science at best. This is not something that can be reversed. This destroys their body. And there are many, many people today that are being convinced of this idea. And, of course, later on, they will not be able to change this, even if they wanted to. They're destroying themselves. But whenever these ideas pop up, just quickly correct it with the truth. You don't have to go into great detail. Number four, always refer to children as boys and girls. Not complicated. Whenever you're saying, okay, boys, time to line up. Girls, line up next. Not a complicated subject. Always referring them to two categories. Further, just reestablishes the fact of reality and as God says it. Number five, have children line up and go to the bathroom as boys and girls. Not a complicated subject. Boys and girls should not go to the bathroom together. Even if they're in a line to go at the same time, you have the boys go first, or sorry, the girls go first and then the boys. See, reinforcing this idea of girls going first also is teaching responsibility that boys should be putting girls first. Now, at my home, even at my home, at my dinner table, when we prepare to eat, we pray, and then we will have them serve themselves. But the girls serve their plates first. The boys will serve themselves after the girls are done. These little things reinforce the responsibility that boys have, that men have, to care for, protect, and put women first. Women and children come before men. Their responsibility is to make sure they're provided for first. See, on the opposite side, it's saying, I have no obligations to women. I have no obligations to children. I have no obligations to anybody. I can put myself first at any point in time. I'm the most important thing on the planet. What I believe I myself am, that's what I am. I have no obligations. There is no God. There is no duties. There is no responsibilities. See, we can do simple things to reinforce the God-given authority and responsibilities that we all have. And this is one of them. Simply having girls line up first, go to the bathroom first, obviously separate from the boys. 
These little things reinforce important ideas. Number six, reinforce ideas such as boys and girls protecting and putting them first, as I said here. Another one can be, of course, whenever boys strike girls. There should be a more important emphasis on this kind of subject. Girls and girls fighting, boys and boys fighting. That's one thing. But boys attacking girls is a completely different subject, and it should be dealt with separately. And I've dealt with many parents. And when I say this is all common sense, meaning that we all know it in our bones, this subject, this concept, we had a boy who struck a girl at one of our schools and hit her. And, of course, I started talking to the father, and I said that he hit a girl. His eyes lit up, and he was quite upset. He says, we're not going to have any of that. He's right. He knows that boys are supposed to be protectors, not attacking and hurting women and children, girls. See, when you get rid of God, when you get rid of male and female, you get rid of all these concepts. You're literally stripping away the protections of women and children by men and saying it's progress. It's not progress. It's de-evolution, not evolution. We are supposed to be promoting God's order, and one of that is men are responsible for, to protect women and children in particular. Next is number seven, last one we got. Remember that those that teach first get the first chance to plant the seeds of truth in the hearts and minds of children. You get to be there first as the parent. You get to be there first as the teacher. And so you don't have to combat all the wrong teachings of the world if you're there first. You get to plant the truth in the hearts and minds of these children before they're exposed to all the evils and lies of the world. And so this is why teaching children, young children in particular, is very important. We get to be the first ones there to lay in the foundation of God's order, godly responsibility, godly structure, including that of biology and male and female and families and protections. We get to lay that foundation first. So this is what we can do, is not focusing on upper grades, necessarily speaking, although that's important, but getting there first, being there first to comfort children with the truth of reality, of stability, so they know who they are and what to expect of the world. Well, that's going to conclude that section of the Preschool Pioneers podcast for why Christians should become teachers, and I hope I give you enough information on partly why it's important that we do what we do. I want to move on to our field guide. I'll only take a second on that. And I want to handle attacks on your policies. If you are a Christian school teacher or just a teacher or a manager, these things can be helpful, some tips about attacks on your policy. Now, first of all, when you're dealing with a person, you're dealing with a situation, it's important to know that you will have people attack your policies. If they're financial or behavioral-related or training-related, it doesn't matter what it is. The first thing to do, always just state what the policy is as information. This avoids any uh, confrontation, heated conversation, your personal point of view. Just state you know, what your policies are. Because number two, you never argue the reasons or the purposes of the policy. Some people are going to disagree with me. But I think that's stupid. You, that's a dumb policy. I don't see why you have that. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter what you think. This is the policy. Therefore, we're not going to argue over it. And that's something I've said to people before. They want to say, I don't think that's a good policy. I say, well, we're not here to argue. 
I'm here to to explain the policy. I've stated what it was, but I'm not here to argue with you about it. See, number three is never attempt to convince somebody to agree with your policy. That's a big mistake that very novice people, you know, still wet behind the ears. They think they're going to convince somebody who's arguing with them about a policy. They're going to agree with you. They're not going to agree with you. So never attempt to convince anybody. You state it. You don't argue about it. And you certainly don't try to reason with them and say, well, if you look at it like this, this would be a better policy than what you think. I know I see your side of things, but, you know, if you really look at it, our policy really is the best idea. Never do that. Never try to argue with them. Never try to get them to convince be on your side. And number four, never follow anyone. Uh, sorry, never allow anybody to demean your policies. Because, of course, you're working with families here. They're, they're trusting you with the care of their child. This is a relationship between the school the teacher, the family, child, the parent. And so you have to have a good relationship. There can't be any demeaning involved. It's like you can't demean somebody's parenting with them and expect them to like you, expect them to have a good relationship with you. And so the same goes with the school. No one can demean your policies to insult them, to say they're putting children at risk or that it's uh, somehow hurting the families or somehow you're stealing, whatever the idea might be, because parents should, if you are a school, they should have access to the policies before they even enroll. They should have read them, and if they don't read them, at least they have to sign that they read them. And that way, you can always come back to it and say, well, these are the policies, and I understand you might disagree with it. If you do, the really only option here is to agree with the policy move on, or for you to take your child to a different school. But we can't argue about it, and it's not going to change. So if you do that, that is going to be a big help for you on handling people, handling problems, and especially handling when somebody's attacking your school's policies because it's going to happen. It's going to happen a lot. Now I want to go ahead and wrap this up here on Preschool Pioneers. B is for biology with a little bit of a thing that I think you should be striving for. Striving for. This is what you're looking to get. Compliments. You want positive comments from children. You want them to have uh, enjoy their school and like their teachers. You want positive compliments from your clients, parents come to your school. So I think I'll close this up with sharing with you one of the comments that I had from one of my parents. And this is what you're kind of looking for. And these vary a lot, so I'm just going to end with this. This is a compliment that we got from one of ours. Quote, My daughter has been a pre-K student at Grace Community School for the past year, and we absolutely love it. My daughter learned to read and write at Grace Community School. Since the very beginning, I had a very good feeling about GCS. Reverend Jeremy and Miss Abby are amazing, very professional and helpful people. I am so happy that my daughter is in their school. They are always on top of everything. I never had an issue with the school. As directors of the school, they are super helpful and make things super simple for parents like me that are always busy. They are super attentive and concerned with the well-being of the children. The school is always clean, the teachers are super caring with the children, and they teach discipline in a caring and special way. This is definitely a place to have your children. My daughter loves that they are always planning fun and educational activities. They provide all for your child's needs, to spend a productive and fun day at school, including meals. I speak highly 
and recommend GCS in a heartbeat, unquote. Now that's what you're seeking for. As a teacher, as a Christian school, as an administrator, your goal is to do a good job. Your first goal is to be faithful to God and make sure your teaching is always what it should be. Your responsibility is to God first. And if you do that, you will then find that people are very happy. People are very quick to recommend you. And people couldn't be happier for what you've done for them and their children. Because first of all, working in Christian education is about making connections and helping people, children and families. And to wrap up, what it means to help them is to give them the truth. And whenever somebody gets gripped with false doctrines and lies, it's our responsibility to help set them straight and true. And if we do that, we really do love the children and families within our care. And those that are teaching lies are anything but loving. Thanks again for being with me. This is Jeremy Walker, Preschool Pioneers, signing off for another episode. We'll see you guys again real soon. Thank you, and God bless.